you only learn two ways in life, mentors and mistakes. I define good mentors as people who made a lot of mistakes. So if you can let my mistakes mentor you, you don't have to make them. Deep down in your gut, you know there's more to life than waking up for school or work, going through the motions just to get by, and living for the weekend. But you're still scared and uncertain about what your true purpose in life is. Welcome to the Free Time Podcast, your very own community and virtual support group created to help you leverage your free time as a valuable asset so you can start to improve your mindset, learn self-empowerment skills, and ultimately find true fulfillment to move you towards the incredible life that was specifically created for you to live. This is more than a podcast dropping three episodes a week. This is a movement built around real people sharing real stories focused on helping you make the most of your life by becoming super intentional with your time. Brought to you by your host, Carl Sona. Now, before we get into today's episode, I'd like to make a quick announcement. We're on a mission to build a movement here around the topics of self-empowerment, mental health, and personal fulfillment. These are all some really big topics that we all deal with as human beings, but also they're topics that will look a little different for each of us as individuals. And so I'd love to put a name with the face and learn more about who you are and where you are currently along your journey. So I'm super excited to announce that I'm offering free 15-minute Zoom phone calls with me in order for us to get better acquainted. If you're at all interested in this, please hit the link to my calendar in the show notes below to sign up for a time, and I'll see you there. Now, without further ado, let's jump into our episode today. What's good, everyone? And thank you so much for tuning into another episode of the Free Time Podcast. Today's episode is incredibly special for several reasons. For starters, I'm joined by an amazing guest that goes by the name of Tommy Wayford. Tommy is a serial entrepreneur that has taken multiple startup organizations from zero to the seven-figure zip code in the short time span of a year. Most recently, he co-founded Lead Fast Co., where his mission is centered on helping people become leaders using a proven framework that actually produces results. If you're an entrepreneur trying to figure out how to make it in business, or if you're currently leading a team of people, you're not going to want to miss a second of what this man has to say. Tommy and I get into the three challenges the organization may be facing, and his message is incredibly timely, given all the adversities that we're all facing as a nation with the pandemic and racial injustices. Tommy, thanks for being here, man. Hey, what's up, Carl? Good to be here, man, for making some time for me. Yeah, brother, always. I'm excited. Yeah, brother, of course, man. You know, you and I got connected through our good mutual friend, Vinay Betty, and I remember meeting you, bro. It's probably about two, two and a half years ago in Vegas. That's right. Kevin Hart's birthday party. Kevin Hart's birthday party. And it's funny, bro, because have you seen Kevin Hart's special on Netflix? Have you seen that special that he dropped? Yeah, we're in that. We're in his- We're in it, bro, because it, it was at Dre's. Yeah, I've got the- I've got, <laughs> I, I paused it and I took a picture of the screen. It's like you and me and the in the background. Yeah, we're at Kevin Hart's birthday party. Yeah, bro. That was wild. It was wild, man. It was, it was very, very interesting how that came around full circle. And I think that you were in Vegas because you were actually getting ready to close- your, your acquisition with, with MealViewer. I don't know if it was MealViewer or one of the other companies. Yeah, so it was MealViewer. It, it had just closed not too long ago. So actually Vegas was, so we do a, a, they do a huge food show every year. And Vegas was our first national show without being a small company, without being a startup. So we were like, 
we had a pretty big booth in there. We like balled out a little bit. It was fun. <laughs> Those corporate dollars are different than Starbucks dollars. Corporate dollars, man. And I remember being like, yo, who the hell is this Silver Fox, man? Ah. That's like this kind of like great Gatsby type character, kind of mysterious, but, but incredibly gracious, man. You were so gracious because everywhere we went, like you said, man, we just balled out in this VIP access. And I think that it's just another testament, right, of how it's easy to look at a guy like you from the outside. Me not knowing you at the time, it'd be like, man, dude, this dude just, he just woke up like that. But you and I both know that's never, ever really the case, man. So if you don't mind, man, like, take us back to you pre-entrepreneurship. Like, how did you know entrepreneurship was your game? And how did you know that you were going to do it in a real and meaningful way, bro? I didn't, man. Actually, my entire life prior to our first business was helping students. Like I, I worked with inner city kids. I worked at churches. I did lots of stuff. What that prepared me to do was grow people, mm-hmm. right? And be a good leader. And that's where I learned how to care for people. That's how I learned how to communicate. It's where I learned how to lead teams. And then I was sort of on the pathway to doing that at a high, high level and was involved in lots of like large organizations. And that sort of just came abruptly to an end one day. I literally got called into my superior's office and he was like, hey man, I don't know how to tell you this, but you're not the guy for the job anymore. We're gonna go a different direction. Wow. And I was like stunned. You know, I'd been married four and a half years, had an eight month old at home. Like it was like really early on in, in my like career and it was just, it totally derailed everything. In that moment, though, I made a choice and I was like, you know what? This is never going to happen to me again. And one way to do that is to run the ship. Mm -hmm. And so I was really fortunate to be surrounded by great people. The organization I was working for gave me six months of severance. Uh, And so I made the common entrepreneurial mistake. I thought I had three times more runway than I needed. Yeah. You know, six months. I've changed the world in six months. You don't even know. And so I got a buddy of mine um, on the phone and I was like, hey, man, I got this idea. We were talking about it, going back and forth. The first couple of ideas, we like trashed because it was like, oh man, like that's never going to work. And then we kind of came and hit on this idea for what was essentially Groupon. Like six months before Groupon existed, we came up with this concept of like co-opting deals and we launched it here in Augusta and it was pretty mildly successful, but we didn't know what we were doing. Yeah. Everybody goes into business. Like if I, if I make widgets and I'm like the best widget maker in the world, why am I making widgets for somebody else? You know, I can just right. make widgets and have my own business. But man, making widgets and running a business that sells widgets are not the same thing. And so yeah. we got into business and we flamed that thing out. We went 19 months without a paycheck. My wife and I were on food stamps for six months with a baby, like no food in the house. Like she called me one day, she was like, come home and fix this. I'm going to work. We literally have no food. And like, it it got bad before my pride let me like, before I had to get over my pride, like that day broke me. Wow. And so then we we had to like, it was like, this is the dream. If I'm going to do this, I've got to take advantage of this. And, you know, and, and a lot of people are going to look sideways at that statement. Like, oh, you should have went and got a job and had a side hustle or, you know, why were you on food stamps? Like you took advantage. Like I've had a full-time job since I was 14. You know how much money I've paid into the social security administration? What are the odds that that's going to be around when I'm 65? Zero, bro. Zero. Yeah. So I got some of that money and lived on it for six months and everybody else that looks sideways at that can kiss my rear end. You know, that's, <laughs> a, that's, how, that's what I feel about that. Sorry, that's, that's extra. That ain't what we were talking about, but hey. No, brother. I love it, man. So 
that business ended up failing. It failed. Like Groupon hit real big on a national level. Living Social hit real big on a national level. Every local paper, radio station, television station had some sort of daily deal. And we just got washed out of the market. And for, I don't know, the better part of a year, I was like pimping our website building skills. Like if you needed a website, we were the guys. I was like, trying to connect with everybody that needed a website. And I would literally go out and invent websites out of the thin air, out of my mind in a pitch. I'm like, oh, your website should do this and this, and this is all the things. And then I'd get them to agree to some stupid low price because I didn't where know what at. I was doing. And I would come back and be like, hey, Andrew, we've got to build sites. That's where it's at. Like, we got to build sites. And then one day over Sunday lunch, like, we started, we were earning a paycheck. I mean, it wasn't like great money, but it was like we were surviving and we, we were still entrepreneurs. We were still working for ourselves. And then the magic moment, like one day over lunch, my, uh, my mom, who ran a school food service program in South Carolina, like, you know, 28, 30 schools. She was in charge of all the staff. She had 300 employees and $8 million a year budget. And she was complaining about the fact that they hadn't innovated in 30 years, that they were still sending out paper menus and stuff like that. And she was complaining about parents and students not knowing what was for lunch and not knowing the nutritional facts. She really cared about how students were eating and that kind of thing. And I was like, mom, like, I swear to God, if you'll just be quiet for like 10 minutes and let me finish this fried chicken I'm eating, like, I will solve this problem. Like, I promise. Like, she, tells, she still tells that story to this day. But I was like, Mom, if you'll just let me get through lunch. I promise you I'll solve this. And so I came back to Andrew and I was like, hey, so here's my mom's problem. She can't communicate. There ought to be an app that says what's for lunch. All the data's out there. We ought to be able to just scrape that data out of the database and provide it to parents and do digital signage and everything, provide in the cafeteria. Okay. And he said, yes. And so I kept building websites and he started building our product. And that's how we got by, man. But like literally talk about like faking it till you make it. And this is a great, like, this is a great mm. point for every entrepreneur. Like you can sell other people's resources as your own. So a dentist office, I would know like, Hey, this marketing company wants to have me come pitch to this dental office. I would go out to themeforest.com, which is a, like a yeah. website website. So you can go buy thousands of websites. They have templates, right? And I would go download the template. I'd get the, the, the Photoshop file and I would mock up a website off this template. And then I would go to the pitch and I would sell them the template for thousands of dollars. And then, and they didn't know, they thought I was super prepared. And so I would come back and I would be like, yo, we got this template done. And like literally we were knocking out full-blown websites in like a week where it would take a normal developer a month because I was building them on templates, but they loved it because they bought it. I set the clear expectation that this is what you're getting. Yeah. They didn't care if I came up with it out of my head or if I spent all the time coding. They just wanted it and they wanted it quick. And so we were able to make convenience and price the winning factors. Yeah. And we were underbidding everybody by 50% and getting it done in half the time. And because I could do volume, we could still live. And so I cranked out this fake business, the real business, but I cranked out like fake effort and he was out there building our products. And so we installed it. It worked. My mom's colleagues at other districts saw it and said, how do you get this? We went to a trade show and showed it. And like from there on, man, it was like, we were off. Like there's so many fun stories about those times where we were like totally like trying to fake, like we were bigger than we were. We didn't want anybody to know we were like living in his bedroom, like a second bedroom where it was our entire office. I mean, bro, like, it was crazy. It was crazy. I love that, man. I mean, because I think that for a lot of people new to entrepreneurship, there is a tendency to tell yourself that like the plan's got to be completely polished, right? Or you got to have like the credentials 
to, to actually go out to the marketplace and fill a void and solve a real issue that you see. But you guys were like, nah, man, mom's screaming about this. Nobody's iterated for 30 years. Let's go be the ones, man. Like y'all gave yourselves permission. You know what I'm saying? How old were you when you guys started to build Meal Viewer? Oh man, uh, 31, like just out of my 20s, man. I didn't grow up till I was 30. Like I seriously, I got married. My first four years of marriage, like I had no idea what being a man was about, like yeah. for real. My wife was good, really good at teaching me that though, by the way. It was really funny how like my wife taught me manhood uh, because she expected it of me, which was great. It was great. But yeah, being a dad really clarified some things. So when I turned 30 and had our first kid, it was like, damn, I got to get real about this, right? I can't, can't flip yeah. from like career to career. You're telling me that it's not too late for the young guy or girl out there that's like 24 years old. It's like, shit, man. Like the entrepreneurship is, is past. Like it's not, too, it's not too late for that person. No, and there's this great story about this like 90-year-old guy that starts learning Chinese. And everybody's like, dude, you're 90. Are you going to start now? And he's like, it's the earliest time I have. <laughs> no better time than now. I can't start earlier. I can't back up. If you're going to learn it, do it now. You know, like, but like, no, I think like, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk says this shit all the time, but like you're 40. Okay. Well, you've got 50 more years, minimum. You've got 50 more years. If, unless you get hit by a bus, the healthcare in our, in our country is good enough. You've had access to it. You're going to live to your 90. Yeah. What if you spent the next 10 years being an entrepreneur and lived the last half of your life balling out? Right. You're going to give up the last half of your life because you didn't do it in the early half? Like that's, that just seems ridiculous to me. Yeah, man. And that's one of the reasons why I started this show, bro. And that's why I called it the free time podcast was I talked to all my homies and be like, man, Carl, like how are you like doing real estate investing here and doing the startup medical device space here and juggling all these different things. And I'm like, yo, bro, like you just need to audit your time. Like, what are you doing with the time that we all have right now, right? And how can you be using it as an asset to get you a little bit closer to where you want to go? And that's why I'm fascinated by you, bro, because it, it sounds like you, you've really dialed in on, on that ability to just go out there and make it happen, you know? Yeah, but, and, I'll, and I'll tell you, I'm a, I'm a little weird because I love this. Like, okay, I would rather be here than vacation any day. Yeah. Right? Like, I would. I would rather be here doing this with you and talking to someone about business and running my business than being at the beach. Yeah. It, it, it's how you're wired. Yeah. I'm just, I'm, that's how I'm wired. But I, it wasn't, I was wired like that always. I didn't know I had the outlet until I tried. Right. And so like, look, dude, it's about quality of life. You know, if, if your goal is to be rich one day, like, you know, to have millions and millions of dollars and you're not wired, then you're going to hate the process of being rich. Yeah. Yeah. The process to get rich. If you're not wired for like the hard work, you're going to hate it. Maybe one day you make it, but you're going to hate that you had to do it. Jay-Z just said this shit, man, on an interview with somebody, man. I'll have to forward you the link later. He was like, yo, everybody's trying to like mimic, you know, the outcome. Nobody ever like really sees the process behind there. And he's like, yo, if people could just learn to love the process. And Gary Vee talks a lot about this too, man. Like have more patience and have more fondness and love for what actually goes into this. Because this is so much of what it is, man. It's not even like the ball, you know, on the vacations and the yachts and all that. Like, yeah, that's great. But like, that's a small snippet, man. That's not entrepreneurship. So I'd really like to clear that out. And uh, I'm happy you touched on that. So let's talk about going from zero to seven figures, right? Like you've done this now, I think four or five times, I believe, bro. Like, right, yeah. You definitely know what the hell you're doing. Talk to me about the first time you did it though, going from zero 
to seven figures, specifically in, in, in a year or a year and a half, whatever that was. Like, what did you learn and, and what does that process look like? Because that's what people are really focused on right now, especially now during COVID where everybody's having to reinvent themselves. What was that process like? So the first one took four years. The second one took 18 months. The third one took less than that. So we have a process now. So we got part of this down at this point, right? Yeah, yeah. But the four-year one was really 24 months because the first two years, it was just me and Drew. And we were pumping hard and like refining what we, but when we started hiring the right people, so like culture was a big part of that, like having a culture that was addicted to winning. When we sold that company, the first company, we sold Millviewer. We had 22 employees. Oh, wow. We were in 42 states and had six and a half million people a day that we served on our application. What was the company? Millviewer. So M-E-A-L viewer. Okay. Uh, all over. Okay. Okay. Mule, yeah, so yeah, there's yeah. still an app out there. You can, if you're, if you're a parent and you've got kids in a school in the United States, uh, we're in a third of them. Yeah. It's like a big iPad, right? It's like a big iPad. Yeah, that yeah, can... yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what we did at trade shows, man. And showed off the app. So, so anyways, yeah. So, so that first company, when we started getting people in and sort of went to scale on that, that blew up really quick. And we were excited about that. But that day, like when you become like, like zero dollars to like, you see that check for the first time, bro. When we were getting paid, the, the lawyer was like, all right, it's, it's, we were sitting there going, click, we're just refreshing the screen on the bank account. Like, wait, wait, yeah. wait. And holy shit, all of a sudden there's commas, bro. <laughs> Future said it, man. I'm gonna fuck up some commas, man. I mean, that, that's a game changer, bro. Like all of a sudden that takes all those tests. Yeah, no, it's, it's stupid fun, man. It's crazy, but it does reframe things. Like, immediately you were different, mm-hmm. right? Because immediately you have options. Yeah. Like that's crazy. Like go from being mm-hmm. a startup with, I can do what I can do to, I can do what I want. That was a game changer and it's a game changer for most people, but it's not, it's never like, that's not an excuse for not getting off your butt and doing some stuff, bro. Like, you know how much stuff we did with nothing, like nothing, nothing. Yeah. And we're going to get into like the mechanics, right, of what it takes to be successful. Like, I think that you're definitely the man to like lay all that out there. But like, let's go back real quick to like the days of nothing, man, when you are having to fake it till you make it. When you're having to coach yourself, right, on what you got to do, like your critical task for the day in order to grow towards something that could be very, very profitable. Like, talk about that, like conversation with yourself, man, when you're like, man, like today could be the day that we hit it. Or today could be the day that everything goes away. Like, how do you manage those emotions? I, I think that's where a lot of people get weeded out. And I think that's where you offer a lot of value potentially, right? Because you're a living proof, if you will. You're a living testimonial of just finding a way to continue to like show some resilience in order to make it over that hump. Yeah. Like Gary Vee talks about patience. But like we've said all along, the only thing you need, the only thing, the number one differentiating factor between people who made it and people who didn't is the people who made it kept going until they did. That's it, bro. That's, that's the whole factor. That's everything. If you'll keep going, and it, and it may mean that you have to like, you know, go work somewhere for a hot minute while you keep going. And it may mean like that you can't survive unless you do something else while you keep going. But if you believe in it, keep going, right? Yeah. At least until it burns completely to the ground. And then start something else and keep going and take those lessons and push them in. I mean, that's what lead fast is. Lead fast really is just the lessons we learned failing. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, yeah, we stay yeah. here. It's part of our mantra here, but you only learn two ways in life, mentors and mistakes. And if you can get good mentors 
And I define good mentors as people who made a lot of mistakes. So if you can let my mistakes yeah. mentor you, you don't have to make them. Like if you, if you yeah. came to me yeah. and you were like, Hey, you know what, man, I've got a billion dollars and I've never failed. I'd be like, you can't mentor me. I don't care about your billion dollars. I can only learn the lessons that you know, and you can only learn lessons from failure or mentorship. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I want to know that I've got somebody that's been through the struggle on the other end of the phone. And so we started lead back to put me on the other end of the phone. Right. And all the lessons that we've learned. That's the whole point. Yeah, man. I'm real big on mentorship. And to your example with the billionaire, who's to say that dude just didn't wake up and his, his daddy died and gave him that, gave him that check. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, nobody wants Donald Trump to mentor them, man. <laughs> Yo, man, I mean, I mean, there's lots of other reasons for that. Right, but, right, right, you know. right, right. And we'll save that for a whole nother conversation. But yeah, I want to double down on lead fast because, you know, you and I spoke the other day about it. And I think the thing that really captivated me was the ability to get mentorship, right? And the ability to, quote unquote, hitch my wagon as a new entrepreneur to somebody that's already done it, that's been through all the battles and the fights and they still found a way to get up. Like talk briefly before we get into lead fast, talk briefly about some mentors that you had in your life. Right. And, and how you found those people for people that are like, yo, I don't know. But, but Tommy, I grew up in the hood. Like, I don't know where to find a mentor. Like I've never seen anybody successful, you know, like, like talk about how people can find mentors real quick. Cause I, I think that that's a key lesson. Yeah. That changed my life. I've been super fortunate, super fortunate that in college I found my first mentor and he's still a mentor to this day. Um, I call him dad when I call him like, man, like he's like my guy and he's always, always um, just so on top of like making sure that my head's in the right space, that I'm thinking about the right things and then I'm reading the right books, right? Like that was a big deal. He turned me on to this book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. If you are an entrepreneur and you have not read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, stop listening to me. I got nothing yeah. else good to say. Turn this podcast off. Go buy that book. Come <laughs> back to what we've done. Um, it's probably not what you wanted me to say, but I'm telling you, I believe that that book is foundational. Uh, Robert so, Kiyosaki, shout out to yeah, Robert Kiyosaki. Yeah. So um, my business partner and I, I re-listened to it recently. I just went and looked at a bunch of property with him today before I got on this. Um, my staff, the guys over here, the producers for this, and my videographers are all reading it right now. We're mentoring these guys. Like, yeah. I think maybe the be best benefit that these guys, these two guys over here have is not their paycheck, but it's getting to be in the business with us every day and see how we make decisions and do all those yeah. things. Like if you're an entrepreneur and you want to learn how to do entrepreneurship, an MBA is not going to teach you that. I know a lot of MBAs that could not run my business tomorrow. They just couldn't, you know, I mean, there are a lot of smart guys out there with their masters and business and that's cool. An MBA does not prepare you for entrepreneurship. It does not. I don't know a single college in the world that does from an entrepreneurship standpoint, because so much of it is just grit and you can't get a degree in grit. You got to have that or you don't, and you can yeah. learn it you can pick it up, but it's having an adversary that builds that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and seeing it and being around it. Yeah, man. And I think people need to kind of wake up and realize that, the schools, the colleges, the universities, the grad programs out there, those are businesses. Like there's people running those large institutions selling you on why you need an MBA. You know what I'm saying? But the beautiful thing about the world we're living in right now is like, yo, we got this thing called the internet. I don't have to be in Augusta, Georgia. I don't have to know you personally, Tommy Wafer, to like learn from you. I could just leadfast.co, whatever it is, and, and plug in and all of a sudden get some of your insights and be 
indoctrinated with the way you think. And it really brings me to this idea of culture that I want to talk about next, man. I mean, I know that culture is a big thing for you. I think a few years ago, one of your organizations was voted like second best place to work in the entire state of Georgia. Yeah, number three. We number were three. almost number two. We were number three. <laughs> Augusta is the second largest city in our state. So it kind of flips back and forth between Augusta and Macon. But we were the only Augusta company on the list, period. So so that it made me feel good. And we were up there oh, with wow. like like 500 plus employee companies were one and two. And then our 22 member company were number three. Yeah. And it was legit. Hey, real quick before we move on to culture though, because I want to answer that as part of culture. I want to answer that second, that first question was that I'm an entrepreneur. If I'm an entrepreneur, where do I find mentorship? Yeah, please do. Go volunteer, bro. Intern, like yeah. hit me up. You can intern for me right now. You can stay on your side hustle and I'll give you two hours of stuff to do and you'll learn right now. You go to Tommy at leadfastcode.com and send me an email. You can intern with me. Yo, I'm going to have that plugged in the show notes. I dare somebody to take this man up on that. Like, I love that, man. Like, thank you for actually like making that something that's available to people. Because like one of the things I tell a lot of my people in my inner circle, especially folks that are feeling stuck in what they're doing is like, sometimes we're so close to our own shit that the greatest gift we can give ourselves is to pull ourselves out of what we're currently worried about and go find somebody you can help, man. Because you might just tap into a superpower that you didn't even know you had by being able to focus on somebody else and their own issues. I mean, that's all entrepreneurship is, right, Tommy? It's just being really good about finding problems. So one of the things that I love that Gary Vee focuses on is the word empathy, right? So I believe that, you know, when you, when you have a staff, and so this was what we did with our staff that made culture so important for us, is that I wanted passion out of people, right? But I only wanted passion out of people because I wanted excellence. And so for me, excellence is two things. It's proficiency, like doing it right, and then doing it with passion. I believe that you can have perfection and not have excellence because I can be perfect. I can proficiently do my job to the point of perfection but if I don't operate with passion, then it's not excellent work. Interesting. Right? Because I want people to excel. And excellent work raises the bar for you. And you have to have passion to excel, to get to accelerate and to move forward. You have to be passionate about what you're doing. Right? So I always made excellence the standard, which means you had to not only work with proficiency, but you had to work with passion. And how do you get passionate about other people's dreams? empathy. Empathy is the gateway because that's how you feel what I feel. Not just sadness, not just being empathetic. Like I feel sad when he feels sad. It's I feel joy when he feels joy. That's empathy is the gateway for other people's emotions for us, for us as human beings. And so I believe in deploying empathy strategically. So if you're working at a company and you're an entrepreneur and you're, and this is great. So even if you're not an entrepreneur, if you're listening to this, cause you're in like you're an MBA that's got their degree and you're at a director level at your company, right? So you're like our buddy Vinay or you're, you know, who's working at a great corporation. You're mid-level, mid-management and you're trying to get through that like barrier into the executive suite. You want to be in the C-suite. You got to figure that out. Here's how you do it. I'm going to tell you how to do it. You're going to set yourself apart. Deploy empathy strategically. Like don't worry about the bottom line. Don't worry about how well you're doing your job because if you're at that level, you're probably proficient. You need to find the gatekeeper to your promotion. If that's your boss, if that's your boss's boss, mm. if that's some level of HR, and you need to find out why they work at that company. And then go be empathetic. 
and wow. join their cause. So there are going to be guys there that work there because uh, your boss wants to be promoted. That may be why he's there. And then you need to go to him and say, hey, listen. So I was yeah. thinking, you know, not only am I, I'm doing my job. I feel like I'm doing a good job. Do you agree? But I want my job to carry more purpose than just me getting my job. And you're my superior. You're my supervisor. I want to do work that is so good, you look good. So tell me how I can have more impact on your personal gain at this office. If that's what he cares about. If what he cares about is like, hey, I'm here because I want to help our company be more compassionate to the community that we serve. Like if he's, if you work in, in some capacity in marketing and the marketer's job is to make the company seem more compassionate, then you need to go every day and go, hey, you know, I was just dreaming. I've been daydreaming about how we can be more compassionate. Can we schedule some time to talk about that? And now you became an advocate for their passions. You deploy empathy strategically and guess who gets promoted when it's time. Now you stand out because you're working with excellence. Now you have excellence, you have passion and proficiency. Damn, bro. I just, that makes so much sense. I've just never quite heard it put that way. And that's why you're so special, man. So I appreciate you breaking it down. And I think that what you've really done is you've empowered the person listening right now to think about how they can align themselves with yeah. the mission of that organization, right? And if you're listening to this right now and you're like, damn, man, like, I don't really, I don't really resonate with the mission of the organization. Get the hell out of there. Like, that's the sign. You're never, ever going to be happy there because you're always going to be trying to deploy empathy for someone else. And so when you only have proficiency, you only can be the cog in someone else's dream right? You're just on a gear. You're yeah. just turning the gear and you always will have this idea of like, I just feel so used here. You know why? Because you are, you are just getting used for someone else's dream. Like that's, but you, you have yourself in that position. Like that's you, you understand it now. So choose what to do about it. It reminds me of something that I've heard you say a couple of times, or I've seen you say online and whatnot. You say customers will never love a company until employees love it first. Yep. That was rule number one, man. So we have these four rules at Millviewer and we, and we do them everywhere. But like, I really believe like, you know what the, you know why people love Apple so much because Apple loves Apple so much. <laughs> yeah. Like they rock with the home team harder yeah, than anybody it's infectious. else. It's infectious, bro. It's infectious. Like I'm not a, like, I'm not a Dodgers fan, but I went out to LA and everybody had on Dodgers hats and I was like, Shh, I want a Dodgers hat. I want to be cool. Like, having this ecosystem where everybody loves what they're building and they see so much value. They see the value in it too. You're able to communicate that as a leader, bro. Like that's when everybody loves because then it's not, thank you for calling mill viewer. This is Amanda and customer service. It's, Hey, thank you for calling Amanda here at mill viewer. What, what's going on in your world today? What can I do to help? Because yeah. they are genuinely passionate. And when people have those types of like responses, bro, it's completely different. Obviously with COVID man, like I think a lot of organizations, and companies now see that they can do more things remotely, right? And I think like a lot of people really vibe with remote work, autonomy, all these different things. But do you see that somehow causing a struggle or causing organizations to have struggles with building culture, having, you know, Tommy and Johnny and Lisa, you know, across the globe and not really being able to connect with each other, not really feeling that, that, that camaraderie and that tribe effect that really gets people to you know, buy-in. What are your thoughts on that? I'm just curious. All right. So it's all technique, right? Like if you're going to have 200 people on a Zoom call and you're sitting at your desk, like we're sitting now, 
And I'm trying to, I mean, I'm, I'm a good communicator. I'm not great. I'm a good communicator and I'm good with people and I'm good at understanding people. But like if this is the, the level of engagement that you plan on having, bro, like seriously, yeah. this isn't fun to watch. Like you got 200 people on a zoo call and some guys going through quarterly earnings. Like who wants that? That's not, that's not all hands we dream yeah. of. But you start looking at the content that people are actually consuming online. When you watch, you know, TED Talks and you watch uh, keynotes from Gary Vee and all these other guys, and you know, Simon Sinek and all those guys, very little of their content is like, uh, how's it going today? We're going to, you know, if this is going to be the methodology, right? If this, if, if Zoom calls are going to be the methodology that you're going to have to interact with culture and you've got to get into how do I do this better? How do I... How do I communicate better? How do I technically pull it off in a way that's cinematic, that's fun to watch? Mm. Like we're doing a Zoom call right now, right? Like this is a great example. We're doing a Zoom call right now. What people are going to see when this gets produced is not the Zoom call. Yeah. Right? It's obvious we're doing a Zoom call, but they're not going to see like a screen recording anymore because I have one, two, three, four cameras right now. Right. And so we're going to cut all this together. Yeah. I sent you a picture earlier of our setup. You know, we've got a full production studio going on over here in the background that nobody sees because I know if this is my method of communication that I have to do this so good. Right. Right. For it to be good. Like you can't just be staring at somebody. It's got to have like the capability of engagement. It's got to be an experience. Yeah. No, you've got, because that's how you get people's heart. Yeah. You can get people's brain by sharing knowledge. You get someone's heart by sharing experience. Yeah. Stories. Yeah. Stories. And like, so now it's not, Hey, so are you, our quarterly earnings are good. We're up 10%, blah, 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 whatever. Now it's like, Hey, I want to congratulate some of you because we had, even in the middle of a crisis, when we're like this, we're on a zoom call and you give it context. So every story has context, right? So even in the middle of this crisis, we were able to see 10% gains. Now I know, that's not what some of you hoped for. You hoped for more. So now you give credit to the audience for empathy. You expect excellence, right? So now I'm drawing them in because I've said, I know something about you, right? So here's what we did, even in the middle of all this context. And I know that's not what some of you hoped for. I've drawn you in, but I want to say congratulations for the amazing work affirmation. So now I've brought value because your messaging should always be relevant context and always bring value. And I may not be able to give you a check over online. I may not be able to shake your hand, pat you on the back. But if I've got 200 people here, you better believe I'm going to recognize you in front of everyone. And I'm going to add value to you. Damn, brother. I told you guys we were in for a treat today, man. This man's taking us to school. But I love how you do it in such a simple fashion, man, that I think anybody can like easily grasp. And so I want to revisit Lead Fast. Yeah, yeah. I feel like we dove into the culture piece. Let's back it up real quick. Tell the people why you're doing this, man, because obviously you've been successful, right? Like it, there would be nothing stopping you from going the fifth startup, the sixth, and just building an empire and just hoarding all of the, you know, the rewards for yourselves. Why, why lead fast? Why now? What is the company? Uh, yeah, so COVID actually, you know, was really good for us as a company. We were going to launch, we had this big thing, and then the world shut down, right? Yeah. And everybody picked up a side hustle. Like, dude, if you had a dream in your heart and you go back out of COVID and you didn't get it started, that is not a dream. It is a wish. Give up, go home, get a job. Like you had plenty of time. Yeah. Plenty of time. Shame on Shame you. On you, you. Plenty right. of time. This, 
this was like an equalizer. This is like the universe saying, hey, that thing that's been like on your mind, go do that thing right now. Yeah. You're not leaving the house. You can't see your homies. If yeah. what you had in your heart and in your mind to do is at the same scale now as it was three months ago, you might want to stay at your job, bro. Like, you, you know, like you're, you might not be cut out of the same cloth as the rest of the entrepreneurial world. Yeah, you're a entrepreneur. You want to be, but you're not. I call them pretend pioneers. Like, I know guys that would rather fail with a good excuse than succeed through hard work. They're pretend pioneers. They'd rather go to Everest and then talk about conditions not being right and get credit socially with their friend group for making the attempt instead of being the guy on top of the damn mountain with the flag in his hand. Right. Like that was, that's easy. It's easier to get the social yeah. credit for the attempt and be like, I got this friend that tried to climb Everest. He never took one step up the right, mountain. Right. And Hey, listen, man, like, honestly, I got nothing against that, but like, if that's you just own it, like, like don't try to be what you're not. Right. Not everybody's cut off for the entrepreneurial Exactly. Game. I mean, it's just facts, you know? Yeah. And it should be like, if you're like, man, I mean, how many entrepreneurs do you meet? And they're like, bro, what's going on? I'm crushing it right now. No, you're not. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> like, if you say that or you believe it when you hear it, you're probably not actually an entrepreneur, right? Because every entrepreneur does it, knows it's bullshit. Yeah. And, and, and you brought up Gary Vee several times. I've been listening to a lot of his stuff during COVID because I feel like the guy's got like a crystal ball. I feel like everything he writes and speaks about, like just it manifests, man. Like I remember reading Crushing It like several years ago and shit that he said in that book is now coming to fruition. So anyways, he talks about like entrepreneurship being eating shit. Like how well can you eat shit? So I think that, that really piggybacks off the point that you just brought up about those folks that are out there like, oh man, killing it, this, that, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, come on, man. Yeah. So we know now at LeadFast that there's this huge community that just launched something, right? Uh -huh. And I'm very fortunate that I'm at a place in my life and my business partner is too. And we said, what can we do? How can we now take what we're doing and take our lessons and let them mentor and affect as many people as possible at scale? And for us, it's this, it's the internet, it's undefeated, it's wide ranging. You know, we can help people in other countries. We can help people in our own home. And for us, honestly, that is the, that's the whole thing about LeadFast is that I want to be able to do for people what people have done through me through mentorship at scale. Mm -hmm. I want it to be one-on-one. -on -one. I've got people that I mentor in my life, but I want to be able to give these lessons out at scale. And so we created LeadFast. And, you know, honestly, like if it's break even for us, I'm super, super happy. Like, honest, like that's a God's honest truth. I, I have enough money to do what I need to do. And yeah. <laughs> I, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, this, if this isn't a $50 million play for me, like I understand that best case scenario, it's just not, I do understand though, that it has tremendous value and everything of value should bring profit. And so we do charge for it because if you're not willing to pay for it, you're probably not going to take it serious. Yeah. But I also know, I remember those days where like, if I was going to pay $300 for something, it was a stretch. And I want to make this available to those people. Like I remember me and Andrew taking my food stamp food and taking it to the office and putting it in a little mini fridge. And we ate cheese, grilled cheese every day. We work in 19 hours a day and we had grilled cheese in the morning and grilled cheese in the afternoon and grilled cheese in the evening and grilled cheese at like fifth meal, like 1130 before we locked up. <laughs> right. And so like we, we were eating grilled cheese sandwiches every day for a year because we knew we were going to make it. Like we just knew we weren't going to give up. Yeah. I remember those days though. Like it was yesterday. 
I don't take myself seriously, like too seriously. And I just, I know there are other guys out there that are eating, eating grilled cheese right now that if I said, Hey, I can change your life for $300. They'd be like, I want this so bad, but $300 is going to be hard. I wanted it to, to mean something to the people who don't care about $300, but I, I wanted it to mean the most to those guys because those guys out of desperation will get the most out of it. Damn, bro. I love that, man. And I just, I just want to commend you real quick for just being willing to take that sort of social approach, right? Towards entrepreneurship where I can tell that you're very passionate about what you do, man. And I can tell that obviously it's, it's created this amazing life for you, but I can also hear this veracity in your voice in terms of what you know you can offer people. And so the fact that you're making it so affordable and that you're making it so accessible, I think speaks volumes to your character, man, and, and what it is people can expect to get out of this. And so talking more about the program, you know, you schooled me the other day on the three core challenges that most organizations or entrepreneurs face. What are they and how can people identify where the breakdown is in their business? Yeah. So for us, we just believe wholeheartedly that every business or organization. So if you're like, want to start a nonprofit, this is valuable to you, right? Yeah. So if you're like, Hey, I see everything that's going on in the world with all the protests and I want to create an organization for social change. This is important. So don't just check out if you're not an entrepreneur, like this is important. If in your free time, Plug. free time podcast, <laughs> if you're listening, you want to do your free time in a way that makes sense. This is where, so every organization has three problems. All the problems you will ever face only fall into three buckets. First one is commitment. And for organizations, for nonprofits, that looks like, can I get donors? Can I get volunteers? Can I get people to trade me their time for the value that our, our organization provides? Can I, and then for businesses, it's just cash. Like commitment is time traded for something. And cash is time that was traded for something earlier. And now you're just carrying on the economics of the time, Right. I gave this business my eight hours. They gave me a paycheck. Now I'm going to give you my paycheck, which is the same as me giving you eight hours. So you're just carrying on the economics. So for me, the first one is commitment. How do I drive commitment? And so how do I align my business to make it frictionless so that commitment happens without hurdles? And all these other things that we talk about, we cover in the commitment section. And so if you're struggling with revenue for your startup, if you're struggling with how do I align and make sure that I'm covering all my bases to make revenue happen as a startup? If as an organization, you're like, how do I get better buy-in from my uh, donors and from my benefactors? If you are a church and you're like, how do I get my congregants more plugged in? Bro, like that's where this comes in mm. is the commitment side of things. Yeah. And we actually have a track for nonprofits. So I cut my organizational teeth in church world and in like dealing with kids. And so I, it's, I'm passionate about that. It's a, it's a passion of mine still. And so we focused on how do we create content specifically for nonprofits? So if you want to start a nonprofit, we've got an entire track just for you. And if you're an entrepreneur, we have an entire, entire track that takes that content because it's the same steps and we gear it right towards you where you are as a business. I love it, man. Speaking of the commitment piece, before we move forward, yeah. you know, one of the guys that I follow a good bit is Grant Cardone, Mr. 10X himself. And he talks about like, you got to be more committed than that other person like across the table from you. Can you briefly talk about how an individual or an organization knows whether or not they themselves are committed? Like, like forget the person that you're trying to get committed, right? In order to exchange dollars for the service. How do people know whether or not they're committed? Here's the way I test it. If you come into a sales situation and the first thing that you do to make a sale is discount the price you are not committed. 
Like you've got to understand your value. If somebody comes up and says, I agree that this is great. I just think it's too expensive. Then you should be able to look them in the eyes in honesty and say, then you don't agree. Because I agree that this is going to change your business, going to change your life, going to make you better. Yeah. But I think it's at least worth this much. I think yeah. I value priced it. So, and you don't have to get belligerent about it. You just got to be able to say, when they say, hey, I agree, I like your product, but I just, I need to, you know, I think I need it at 30% discount. I'm like, well, you don't like my product. <laughs> <laughs> like, you just don't. You don't like my product at all, do you? Like, because, because I valued my product at such a place that I thought it would be attractive. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about what part of my product is not valuable enough to reach the threshold of the price I'm asking Damn, for. Bro. Let's talk about it. I just want to have that conversation. And if for no other reason, you may not buy from me today and that's fine. That is that I need you to understand. I'm not trying to apply pressure, but what I do want to know is when I go to the next person, what is it that you didn't find valuable? Because I want to make sure that I communicate that better. Cause I obviously did oh, a bad job man. today. Wow. I love that. And now you put the onus on them to tell you why they think they should get a discount. And most people can't do that intellectually. And now they've talked themselves out of their and own discount. Like, maybe I'm being unreasonable. Maybe I lowball this guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. And, and then, and it's like sincere. Like you have to be sincere. That's not a, don't take that word for word and be like, I'm going to copy that yeah. and parrot that out. <laughs> like, hey, so I, I, I agree. And we can talk about pricing, but I first need a question answered. What did I do today that was wrong? Okay. Because I felt like I explained the value, but you didn't see the value. And so I messed up. And before I go back to my office without a sale, I want you to mentor me. Can you do me that favor? Like I appreciate your input and I value you as a potential partner in this relationship. And I want to know what I did that didn't communicate the value because I want to fix that next time. Brilliant, man. Take that ownership. You've definitely read the 10X rule, I can tell. Or, or you're just a brilliant salesman. No, I, we, we read it as a staff, like back in the day, like when we had 22 people, I made everybody, we, so we did, instead of business meetings, we did family meetings Okay. And every Friday, all 22 people had to be there and we would sit around this giant couch and we would, every department, so we only had three, so we had R and D, so development, sales, customer care and business. Yeah. And so in the, the general business. And so everybody from the company would be there and we'd go, Hey sales. So what are you struggling with right now? Because we want, we as a company want to deploy empathy. I want to be, I want R&D to be building empathetically. I want them to be passionate about what they're building because they know it fixes somebody else in our company's problem. Mm -hmm. And so they would say, oh, we're dealing with this, whatever. And then customer care would say, oh, well, we had these two client requests. This customer is really struggling with this and this was broke. And then I'd be like, all right, development, how quickly can we fix the broke thing? Sales, can you make a call to that customer and make sure they're okay? Like, and everybody knew at all times. And then I would say, hey, here's who, who we are and where we are as a business. Let's keep pushing forward because we're making huge strides. And everybody knew everything that was going on, but we consistently read together. That was the one thing is that we would do like books oh. where we read together. We all did the 10X rule because what happens is that shared experience again, sharing an experience, sharing your experiences and sharing an experience are not the same, but they're both valuable. So we had a meeting where everyone shared their experiences once a week and everyone shared an experience once a week. And then we'd all go out to lunch together and do something social. That was, that was how we ran it. And that's how we built our culture. It was great. Man, uh, definitely no surprise why you guys were ranked so high a few years ago. I love that, man. What about the second pitfall for a lot of organizations? So we touched on commitment. I love how you broke that down. What's the next one? So culture. 
uh, cultures, everything. Okay. It's the lifeblood. So like you have to understand that you are in a business, right? Or a nonprofit. But if you're in a business, cash has to come first. Commitment comes first, always. Because okay. you, it's air. It's, it's air. It's oxygen. You cannot have a business without money. Mm-hmm. It's by definition, the point of the business. So if you're an entrepreneur and your mission statement says, we're in business to create social change, you're a nonprofit. You're not a business. You're in business to make money so you can deploy your resources to create social change. Don't lose sight of the fact that you're in business to make money because if you're not in business to make money, I can't invest in you. I can't. You can't deploy resources into something that's not going to give me a return. Yeah, you're just throwing your cash away. Yeah. So if your mission statement does not say, I'm in business to make money, I can't invest. I don't know another investor that will. I can donate. You want to be a nonprofit, go be a nonprofit. I'll donate and I'll kiss that cash away when I give it to you mm-hmm. and hope for the social change. But if you're a business, you're in business to make money. So commitments, number one. Culture's number two. If you've got cash flow, if you've got a product that customers are asking for and you've got sales happening and you've got revenue coming in and you're paying your bills, then the only thing that you have to worry about after that is are my people happy? Are they passionate about what we're doing? Because I want to keep passionate people for as long as possible, bro. Like Mm. that, it's hard to build culture. It takes an instant to lose it and forever to rebuild it. Yeah, yeah. You want to keep people. 100% retention, right? I mean, that's one of the things that I've actually been really, really fascinated by. And for a while, I thought about going into the space of helping corporate leaders attract and retain the right people. I think a lot of people get this wrong, right? Because they look at people as being disposable, yeah. you know, meaning you're, you're my cog for now and I'll spit you out, work you to the ground, get somebody in. What, what are you doing? You know, being a CEO founder, being in that position, what are you doing to attract the right people? I think you did a good job earlier, right? Touching on people empathizing with why you come to work and why you show up every single day. But aside from that, how are you getting people to buy in? Here's the magic for me. This is the magic. If I was going to hire someone right now and they came in yeah. and I was going to interview them, what I would do first before I talk to them at all, before anybody on the executive team, me or Andrew talk to them, I would say, hey, here's what I want you to do. I'm going to buy you lunch. I want Justin and Daniel to take you to lunch. Because here's what I'm confident about is that my people are going to be my biggest advocates. I know that Daniel and Justin are going to go, bro, working here will change your life. I know they'll say that. I know for a fact, I knew that with Millviewer. And so when we would interview, we'd let the interviewees talk to three people in the office. Like, while you're here, I want you to talk to some folks. And we did that with interns. We would have interns come in from the college. And it wasn't about us hiring the interns. It was about the interns choosing to work for us. And so, because they could have done lots of things, right? And so we didn't take that like, oh, we've got something to offer. Like, no, you have something to offer. You're valuable to us and to our mission. Yeah, yeah. Like the pay is the thing that you just get for being here. What I expect from you is the value that you bring. I want your person to be involved, right? Like your humanity. And I'm not paying you for humanity. I'm paying for your output. I value your humanity. Mm. And so I would let them talk to other people. Once you talk to one of my folks in part of our culture, it's a wrap, bro. It's a wrap. (laughs) Done deal. I love it. I know it is. Yeah, right. And so I just know that that's, that's a wrap. From a culture standpoint, we would have people come in, right? And we would do interviews like that. But the way I retain people is by them knowing that I actually care about their humanity. Like there wasn't a person, and I said it every week when we were in our family meetings, I would say, hey, listen, 
you know, I love you guys. Like genuinely love you guys. I hired a bunch of my friends and family and I told them like, Hey, if I ever have to fire you, this is going to suck because it's going to hurt. Yeah. But when you hire your friends and family, especially as startup guys, the wins are so much better. And I was like, I want the win to be so good that we all get addicted to it. I'm never going to like sacrifice the win for a potential loss. That's stupid. Yeah. That's like chicken little skies falling. Something might bad might happen one day. Like, nah, man, like this might be awesome right now. So let's go with it. So when that happens, like the big thing is like when you get people there and you want to keep them is that we hired for culture. We train for skill. Like if you were just good at, you're good at your job and we didn't think you were a fit, we would just let you go. But because they knew that we cared for them deeply, it allowed us to handle the hard things that destroy culture. Nothing destroys culture like firing someone. Yeah. Because they have friends and they want to be advocates for people and, you know, stuff like that. Well, because I spent a year telling people how much I loved them and that I would care for them and that I wanted the best out of them, which was all true. I was, it wasn't bull. Like it was true. And we proved it lots of different ways. When it came time to cut people, man, I had this like slick way of doing it. Like it did not slick, like tricky, but like it just worked because it was part of our culture. So I'm gonna tell you a funny story. All right. And so we had, we hired this guy, right? So we hired this guy and I'm not going to name him in case he sees this podcast. We still know him. Um, so we hired this guy, right? And I hired him because he was a, he was a husband, a newlywed husband of a friend of mine and I cared about. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to give this dude a job. So I gave him a job. And he came in, bro. And he was not meant for the startup life. He took the job because he didn't have any options. He didn't want to be there. And he became a cancer. He kind of became a cancer in the office, right? And he, you know, got two other people and spread the cancer. So it got to the point where I just called all three of them in the office. And I'd had a couple conversations individually with like, Hey, I need your performance to improve. Like this was wrong. We love you. We want to see you succeed here. How can I help? I'd, I'd gone through all that. And it got to the point where it was time to like, what my dad would say, Fisher cut bait. Yeah. It was time to, you know, like we had, to, we had to cast him off out or we had to turn it up, go home, pack it in. And so I called all three of them in the office together with my, with my COO at the time. And I was like, all right, guys, listen, we need to have a serious talk. And, and so this is what I want to say to you today is that, you know, I love you. You trust. I love you, right? Like I love each of you and I'm concerned about you because here's what I know. That's obvious. It's obvious that you're not happy and that you're not thriving. I know for a fact that you would rather be a photographer and you want to write children's books and you want to go run a skate shop with your husband. You want to go be an entrepreneur yourself. You want to go do that stuff. And, and that's why you're not happier because you can't be passionate about our dreams. Right. And I just went through like all the things that we had talked about earlier about empathy and how we needed them to do that and stuff. And I said, but here's what I want to do. I have said since the moment you walked in the door that my job as CEO of this company is to invest in you mm. is to give you my best and to make you the best you. And if that's here or not, that's fine. So this is what I want to do. I want to invest in all your dreams. I'm going to give you 30 days of your salary here at Millviewer. 30 days to go chase your dream. So, bro, I'm going to give you 30 days to go become a photographer, to open up a photography company. I'm going to give you enough cash that you can go get all the paperwork done, all that stuff. I'm going to give you 30 days of, of your salary as an investment. And you know what? I'm This young lady, I'm going to, I want you to go write the world's best children's book over the 30 days. And, and I want you to go take this money and the next 30 days invest into that skate shop and pay bills and get a new register and all the things I knew she was going through. 
that's what I want you to do. I want you to invest. I'm going to give you the rest of the day to think it over. I need to know by five o'clock whether or not you want to take that investment, but it comes with a catch. If you take that investment, I believe that if I give you a safety net that you won't succeed. Entrepreneurship can't have safety nets. Right. Burn and so if you leave, if you take that, you can't come back here. Wow. And I'm only saying that because I think it's the best for you. And if you don't decide to take it, that's fine. But I need to see an immediate turnaround in your level of empathy. I need you to figure out how you're going to deploy empathy and get passionate about what you're doing. Two of the three took it. The third one turned it around. But at the end of the day, they told me they were going to take it. I got the entire staff together and I said, hey guys, I've got wonderful news. You know, we love everyone here and I've told everybody here that I want to invest in you as CEO. I want to be the biggest advocate for your life. I want to make you the best you, you can be. And we've had some conversations with these guys and we all know that this guy wants to go be a photographer full time. And we know that, you know, she's a writer and has this dream of writing a children's book. And I just felt moved to I like offer them 30 days of investment. So we're going to pay their living expenses for the next 30 days. We're essentially going to give them what they would make here. But I want to celebrate them as they go try to do this entrepreneurship thing because wow. it's not easy. And we're excited that they're gutsy. Everybody high five. Guess how much of a hit my culture took? Zero. It probably grew. It built. It yeah. built. Yeah. So yeah. when you have a strong culture, it gives you options. It's like having commas. Culture and commas, man, are the key to options. If you can get, I need a t-shirt. Can y'all design a t-shirt right now? We, we yeah, will, on our Instagram yeah, before say. this launches, it will say culture and commas are options. Watch, watch what I tell you. Wow. I love that, man. We, we might have to title this episode, culture yeah, and commas. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> I've never heard it put that way, man. Yo, thank you so much for opening up about that story. I, I think that that is absolutely beautiful, man. And it's one of those things where everybody wants to be a CEO and, you know, there's probably a thousand and one hats that a CEO wears, man. But like listening to you break that down, I was like, you know what? I think what it means to be a CEO is to be an advocate for your people. Yeah. I love that, man. That's beautiful. So I've got a seven-year-old named Elliot. And I like, I like talking to my kids. My, what you get to hear, this is how I am. Like, this is my kids over dinner. Right? <laughs> this is how amped I am at dinner. And so we're talking about leadership one day. And I asked my seven-year-old, I said, Elliot, what's it mean to be a leader? Do you know? And he said, what means that you are uh, the leader of people? And I was like, yeah, okay, so that's, that's true. But what does it mean to lead people? And his response like, blew my mind. He says, it means you're responsible for helping them. Wow. And I was like, bro, you, you get it. You're seven. Wow. You, you get it. You understand that leadership's responsibility is helping people. That's it. You get to graduate. <laughs> yeah, you're done. I have nothing else to yeah. teach you, bro. Good. Seven years old. I can check out as a dad. I'm good. I love that, man. What's the last one, man? I, I think that was awesome on culture. I think we got the commitment. What's the third C? So the last thing is just courage, bro. Like if you've got a good culture and you've got good cash flow coming in, you've got good commitment from your organization. Like it's just knowing the last, the next right step, right? Then like, how do you future proof your business? You have to continually innovate yeah. or else the world's going to change around you and you're going to, you're going to age out. So your cash is only protected by your courage. Mm right? It's all a cycle. So like you can have great cash and have great culture. If you don't have good courage, your cash will diminish. The world will age out of your business. And so if you're not making the next right step, you're not looking for opportunity, you're not trying to innovate around problems and solutions and, and, and get, get to solutions through innovation and figure out what you can do and how you can deploy resources to get to that next right step. 
bro, you're, you yeah. are, the countdown is on. You have got a lifespan on your success. And that's not like anybody wants to be in yeah. that. Like who wants to know the clock's ticking? Right, right, right. It's probably why a lot of large organizations tend to struggle. And I think they do this courage thing wrong, right? Is they know what got them from nothing to hundreds of millions of dollars, but they are unwilling to reinvent themselves realizing and having some humility about the fact that what got them from here to here may not be the same thing to get them from here to here. Yeah. And then they just start dying and they just dwindle and it's like a flower. You just wither away and you're just old news. Think about Kodak. Think about any major department store. Kodak having the digital technology to do digital photos, shelving it. And then like, now they're like practically out of business. You know, I think there's a, I think there's a reason for that though. Here's what I think. I think that most C-suites in the world, most executive suites, most people, have been promoted to that position through successful management. And management and leadership are not the same. So we've said on social, but like it's one of my favorite phrases is that management is doing the right things. Leadership is knowing the right things to do. And there's a difference. If I'm a manager and I've been given a set of circumstances, here's our current, I can always manage a business that pre-exists, knowing the right things to do and taking a business to a place that doesn't already exist is entrepreneurship. And there's not a lot of entrepreneurs in the C-suite. It's a lot of successful managers that got promoted. Right. It was kind of the next thing, right? It was the next phase, the right? The next rung yeah. of the ladder. Yeah, yeah. I think corporations need to invest more in successful entrepreneurs. If I was, I don't know, pick, pick XYZ company and I did $100 million a year plus, right? $100 million a year plus in revenue and I was that company, I would be looking to add to my C-suite an entrepreneur who just had an exit sub 10 million in a certain time frame. Like if you could grow a company from $0 to $10 million inside of call it 48 months and had an exit, I would be looking to pick you up and add you to my C-suite if nothing else to take your entrepreneurial brain and say, understand what we do, find us a new path forward, at least submit it. Mm. I mean, it makes all the sense in the world, right? Like this is somebody that has like lived it and done it. And think about what a value and what an asset that is to the organization, right? That already knows it needs to continue to reinvent itself. And I think that's that's honestly the essence of what you're trying to do here with LeadFast. Absolutely. I know you're targeting the entrepreneur, the solopreneur, but what role does this play for the large organizations? Like, is this something that you can go to the C-suite and get them plugged into on a per license basis where the entire organization's got to go through this program? Or what does that look like for corporations? Because I think... Dude, we're seeing corporations just dwindle and fall away, right? Like I just realized that J. Crew just filed bankruptcy the other day. They're, they're, they're probably one of many. And so if I'm a big corporation right now, I'm like, wow, how do we how do we survive this mess? And what do we need to start thinking about? What do we need to implement in order to make sure that we come out of this thing stronger? So briefly touch on that, man, and then we'll, we'll kind of get to the wrap up because I know we're coming up on time. Uh, I want to respect yeah, the time. So here's, here's the beautiful, this is the beautiful part about us. We're a startup. Yeah, yeah. It's super nimble. Flexible, so the man. answer is yes. If, you know, J. Crew calls us and goes, hey, you, we need somebody to lead us out of this and give us strategy. The whole team will be there tomorrow and the check will be large because their need is large. Yeah. They're desperate. They just filed bankruptcy. I could probably fix it. <laughs> this man's confident. Holla at your boy. Like, no, because they missed something somewhere. They got, it doesn't matter if you're a, a solo entrepreneur or your J crew or your J Paul Getty, for God's sakes. Like it doesn't matter. Business only has five pillars. That's what the commitment part is. You only do five things ever in business. 
and you don't step out of that. J Crew went bankrupt because they lost sight of one of those five things. I could go to it tomorrow and go, up. Oh, that's where you fell through. Let's shore this up and get started again, and things will start building on top of each other. That's all that it is. That's all that it is ever. At, even at yeah, scale, yeah. at scale, it doesn't matter. The fundamentals don't change, man. And that's why people need to spend a lot of time on the fundamentals, education, mentorship, like what you're offering, all these different things. Because like, you're right, man. I mean, the only thing that you're sacrificing is, is by not paying attention to, you know, the courage, the commitment, the culture, like you talked about, as you continue to scale, your mistakes become exponentially larger. Like that, that's one thing that you're guaranteed for, right? Right. But if you can get these things right, it sounds like it provides you a really solid launch pad to go just to epic heights. And it's unreal what the problems that you don't have to deal with because you did that right. Yeah. So like we, we, we talk about the fact that, so you know what a colander is, right? A spaghetti strainer. I grew up in the South. We always called it a spaghetti strainer because, you know. Ah, and I never, I never even heard that before, bro. You taught me something new. <laughs> a spaghetti strainer is called a colander. Okay, right? I never knew that. So a colander and a coffee filter have exactly the same function, right? You put something in it, you run water through it, it takes the water out. So, but the only difference, they have the same design, some of them the same color. The only difference between a coffee filter and a colander is the size of the holes. That's it. So if you try to make a cup of coffee using a spaghetti strainer, you get a cup full of coffee grounds. It's not effective, right? And so you get a bunch of stuff that you didn't want in the end product because you didn't have the right size filter at the top. If I can take you in your business and I can say, no, stop 90% of what you're spending time on because it, if you'll do these things, all that gets filtered out. If you'll do what I say about being a leader, your culture will be strong and you don't have to go, well, what should we plan for culture? It'll just be natural. If you do what I say as a business, you won't have to think through like, well, what kind of product analysis should we be doing? And how, No, do this analysis and it'll filter out 90% of what you have to deal with. Leadership is about creating tight enough filters at the top so that you, cause you're the leader, you're the first person to interact with it. So if you can filter out through your mind and your eyes and your decision-making, it makes things so much easier for your people beneath you to run at pace because they're not dealing with a bunch of bullshit that you let come through because your filter was too big. I love it, man. I mean, if y'all took anything away, don't be the colander. <laughs> don't be the colander. Tommy, man, tell people where they can plug in with you, continue to follow your journey, or just equally as importantly, learn more about how they can get started with Leap Fast. I mean, because I, I have no doubt that people are like, wow, this guy came with energy. He came with juice. He's passionate and he delivered value. And people are shaking their heads like, wow, yeah, I see that area of an opportunity for growth within my organization. And they're like, I need this. Where, where can they go? find this thing, get plugged in and get started with you in this awesome process. Yeah. So it's super simple. Leadfastco.com. So leadfastco, all one word.com. You can read more about our product offerings there. You can see some stuff. We've got some videos. We got some freebies, like some of the stuff we covered today. I've covered like, we got a big great couch right here. You can't see. Um, we call it conversations on the couch and I'll come in and just do a hot take. I'll be mad about something and come in and sit down on the couch and just like, we never put up the cameras because you never know when I'm going to start like, spouting off. And so, like, they're all, ah, hit, hit record. Um, and so we uh, never put up the cameras. They're always kind of out. But we have a thing called Conversations on the Couch. It's a freebie on the website. You can go check it out. Um, and we're, we'll be adding to the podcast and all this other stuff. But there's also the pricing there. So if you are interested in being a part of like our commitment, if cash flow and stuff like that is hard, and we've got and, like, an, a five-part video lesson for you. It's got some interactive like activities to help you organize your thoughts around your business. 
if you are a culture person, here's the offer for culture. And this is huge, bro. If you're folks like this. So yeah, culture will eventually be video lessons so that we can do it at scale. Cause my goal is to get it in front of as many people as possible. Okay. As an MVP, as a minimally viable product, we said, Hey, I can do this myself. So if you go right now and purchase culture, it's 12 weeks with me an hour every wow. week where we're going to do a call and I'm going to walk you through how to build a good culture for your organization. I love it. I love it. 12 solid weeks for an hour with me. Like that's going to be, that's, that's, I think that's valuable. And then if you you know need courage and you need one-on-one consulting, then you can find that there too. You'll send us an email. I'll get in touch with you personally and we'll go through what it would look like for me and you know my partner and some of our guys to come in and consult with you. So that's, that's all of the offerings, but you know, we'd love for you to just go get some freebies, like come check us out. Cause like I said, relationships, the key. So data about you, data about me. I want to know things about you. I want you to come connect with us and, and me be a part of your life. And bro, I just want to real quick, thank you for being a real one. And when I say a real one, man, I just want to thank you for having a big heart and caring about people. Um, obviously there's a lot of divisiveness going on right now. And I think that none of us is put here on this earth to do it alone. You know what I'm saying? So people like yourself and then being able to do it, you know, because you obviously collaborate with the right people and that are now looking for ways to pay it forward in such a real and meaningful way. My heart jumps for joy when I see that. And so I want to encourage everybody listening to this right now to please take him up on his offer. The man even put an offer in at the top of the episode where he was like, yo, come and work with me for free. Volunteer your time and I'll give you two hours a week doing X, Y, and Z. I mean, if you are looking for a buoy, you're looking for somebody to help you level up your internal thermostat and like really raise the temperature at which you play, Tommy's a great guy to do it. So please do not take that lightly. Go check him out. And Tommy, man, I just want to thank you one more time for being here, bro. It means a lot. You're welcome, man. I appreciate you making space for me on your on your platform. Absolutely, man. We're pivoting into the random round. Five quick questions to have some fun with you. You down? Let's go. Let's do it. Awesome, man. You didn't tell me this was coming, but all right, let's go. I'm awake. Try to catch you in your back heels, man. What is one dream you have, Tommy, that has not yet come to fruition? I want to teach code as a second language to a group of impoverished kids in Guatemala. I've, I, we, we work there. We have a, found, a foundation that goes down and we work there and it's it's awesome but they teach English as a second language. Those kids are never coming to the United States. That's a useless task for them to do. I can teach them coding as a second language and get the internet out there. And now they can plug into the global economy and we can create economies where there aren't any. Wow. Their average annual household income is like $500 a year. So if they do a front page website design and they get 500 bucks, I've just doubled their household income. So like that for me, is that's my passion is I want to help third world developing countries get into the global economy through code. Man, beast mode. Love that, man. I ask this of every guest. So imagine potential where like a physical place on a map you could go to. All right. Like a place you could travel to a destination. What would be more fun for you, bro? Would it be the journey there? However you get there? Or would it be just arriving in and of itself? Oh man, I live in potential. I don't know. I don't, I don't ever feel like I'm not in it. Like that's a hard question. Cause like, I feel like I base in potential. Like, I don't feel like I'm, I don't, I don't feel like potential is a journey for me. I feel like everything for me comes out of that. Like, I have no clue how we're going to do it. I went and looked at 142 acre property this afternoon to start a coaching center where I can bring groups of 10, 15, 20 in and spend an entire week with them doing this and fixing things. Wow. I don't know how that's going to happen, but you know, talk to me in a week and see if if I've made progress. I, I bet I have like everything's potential until it's not. Bro, I love your mindset. It's so infinite. Great answer. Nobody's ever answered That's it that way. That's not surprising. Like if you awesome ask answer. any of the people here, they're going to be like, 
Of course, Tommy's the <laughs> one guy that answered it unlike anyone else. Like he's the one that thought it sideways. Okay. All right, man. You're a car guy. I'm a car guy as well. Favorite car? Favorite car I've owned or favorite car? Favorite car you've owned. Let's go that direction. So the car I have right now is pretty sweet. I've got a, I've got a G550 and the G-Wagon is pretty legit. It's my favorite car I've owned. I've got a 57 Ford wagon too with like a 600 horsepower Coyote in it. And it's a lot of fun, but my G-Wagon like put all the kids in it and drive around. Like I like my G-Wagon. I love it. Is that the 2020? Nah, bro. I ain't got it like that. <laughs> I was going to say, honestly, I don't really like the styling of the 2020. I'll be honest, man. Bro, I saw one. We had one local. and I'm really good friends with the guys over at Mercedes here, local in Augusta. And they're shout out to Mercedes Augusta. They're awesome. Um, but they had one in and it was like, I think the sticker on it was like 170. And they sold it to some guy in Chicago for like 240. Like it was like 60 over sticker stupid. or something stupid like that. The new vets are dumb. The new vets are stupid. Yeah. Awesome. Like they're great. And my, but my, I had one on order and I was so excited about it. And then like last night I walked outside and the guy across the street from me had one parked in his driveway. I came in, I said, you know how mad I would have been if I'd have bought a vet and then the dude across the street had one? Like, God, see, I don't, I don't care about the cost of cars. I want something exclusive. Exclusivity is what drives me. I want to be the only. I love it. I love it, man. I love it, man. For me, it would be a uh, 964 Porsche, man. Oh, it's cool. a 964, uh, yeah. one of the last of the air-cooled air engines, cool turbo, yeah, I boy. I, I hear you. I like it. All right, brother. What's what empowering quote you want to leave with the audience today? Something that you say or something that you just like to quote from yeah, so, else, whatever. So if you're in our office up on the wall, it's this big mural. It says, it's a rocket ship taking off. It says, just get on. It's also what's on my arm right here. Um, That's and cool so there's this uh, Sheryl Sandberg, where Eric Schmidt, who used to work at Google, was her mentor. And she was talking about the yep. jump Facebook. And he said, Cheryl, when someone offers you a ride on a rocket, you don't ask what seat, you just get on. And, and she's told that and that's, everybody's heard that story. But, but like that for me, man, is like, that was impactful. Like that's about opportunity. That's about potential. Like if there, if you don't ask yeah. what seat, like it's like, if you're out there and you're like, you know, I might want to go into intern for that guy, but I don't know, like, what am I going to be doing? Shut up, man. Are you kidding me? Just get on. Like, just get on. Like, for real. <laughs> yes. Are you seriously going to second guess that? Like if you're like, Oh, I've got time, but I don't know. Like, man, out of here with that mess. <laughs> I just got a real funny visual, man. That's great. I love that. All right, man. Last but not least, I'm really big on uh, visualization. I practice it just about every morning, man. All beautiful things start off as little ideas. So I want to know from you, man. I'm your witness. The audience is your witness today. Where are you at, man, in six to nine months? That could be personally, professionally, whatever. I just want you to put it into the universe. Yeah, bro. So six to nine months. So our goal is to, in six months, so by the end of the year, to have personally impacted a thousand businesses. Okay. That's our goal. Like that's my heart is that I want to put this information into the hands and into practice in a thousand different businesses because I can't even imagine the economic growth, the, the cultural benefit, the significant impact that it will have on nonprofits. So if you're a nonprofit or a business, you can be one of those thousand. I would love it. Like that's where I want to be. Beast mode, man. Well, I love it, man. Obviously, you and I will be talking well before then, but we're going to have you back on, man. And we're going to see what level of impact you and your company have brought to the world, man. So I wish you well, brother, man. Thank you for being here this afternoon. Thanks so much for tuning in. Remember, yesterday is gone and tomorrow is not promised. So there's no better time than the present to get into the arena of your life and to start moving towards your purpose and potential. Peace. Hey, I want to personally thank you again for tuning in. 
the end of the day, I really do believe that we're all in this game of life to help one another out. And that the best way we can do this is through sharing our stories more openly and honestly. And so, if you like the show, please take a quick minute to leave us a rating, drop us a review, and subscribe for more. Also, I'd love to get to know you a little bit better and hear your story. Please head over to carlsona.com slash chat. That's Carl with a K, S-O-N-A dot com slash chat to book a 15-minute free Zoom call with me. And I can't wait to see you there.